I'm Vinny. And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love, and sometimes hate, of movie musicals. From Golden Age, to Disney, to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along, because this this is Backstage Biddies. Fast and loose. What's the hint today? Let's oh, just get into it. Oh my god, this movie's so fucking. <laughs> we have so much to get through today. Let's just hint. Maria Augusta Kutschara. Are we doing uh, uh, Willy Wonka again? Yeah. Augustus. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, what was it? Augustus Gloop. Yeah. Is that the kid's name? Yeah. Well, what's this name mean? Um, Maria Augusta Kutschara von Trapp. Hey yo, we're doing the sound of music. We are. Oh. Finally. We have been avoiding the sound of music for months on the podcast. The amount of times that this shit was on our list and then we just bumped it for something else. Oh my god, like the night before. I can't even tell you guys how many times we've had this on the calendar and then like two days before, a day before We'd recording, be like, one of us will text the other and be like, have you watched sound of music yet? No. What, what if? if? <laughs> and it's because... We just keep putting it off. So, turns out, if you get under the influence of something and then watch this, more enjoyable. This movie is not something that I willingly sat down sober for. No. No, I'm sorry. I hate this musical. It's three hours long. And uh, so in in its defense, I haven't watched this musical in years and years and years since I was a child. Right. Because I really didn't like it as a child. I would have hated it. I think that that's why I never got through it. It's very serious. Yeah. It has very few moments of like colorful levity. Well, and the humor is very much so subtle. And it's something that when you're an adult, you can clip into. Sure. Not, I mean, not not me as a kid. Right. And I think as a child who had other options like hairspray, like, why would I have chosen this? You know what I mean? Right. Like, why would I have reached for this? And also as someone who, like, maybe didn't understand as a child the complexities and the horrors of the Holocaust. Yeah, when you're, like, really young. Yeah. I mean, w- before yeah. you learn in school all of the devastating facts about that time in history like there's so much about this movie that is implied knowledge that they don't they don't say outright but like the tension and the the threat that exists in this movie like isn't apparent unless you unless you go in knowing what happened and like you should as a human person in america know know about the holocaust and understand the threat that the people in this movie face but like when things would happen in this movie and like the music would get really tense and everyone was really worried and like but i didn't understand why as a child i was like i don't i don't understand why they're in danger or like or what the threat was so i just didn't like this musical yeah that's i that's valid but when and obviously when this movie came out this movie came out 20 years after the war ended 
Right. So, so it's very, very fresh in, on people's brains, right? right? I mean, there's not a, a human alive on the planet who didn't know what had happened. Right. So I get that. Um, but yeah, this definitely isn't something either of us reached for as children. It's not something I've revisited in a long time, but we are finally doing it. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of that today. So this was a musical first. It was a Rodgers and Hammerstein's musical on uh, Broadway in 1959. It was on the West End in 1961. It's had a handful of revivals, both on Broadway and the West End. Uh, it was nominated for a handful of awards. Let's see. Part of this I'm reading, like, literally straight from the Wikipedia. So uh, the original Broadway production starring Mary Martin and Theodore Bickle opened in 1959 and won five Tony Awards, including Best Musical. Uh, Mary Martin also won for Best Lead Actress. Um, out of nine nominations. It also had the movie adaptation. It also had a live TV adaptation in 2013. It was one of the NBC live musicals that they did, um, starring Carrie Underwood, uh, Laura Benanti, Audra McDonald. Uh, Laura Benanti was actually in the American revival on Broadway in 98, I want to say. Um, she played Liesl. It was her Broadway debut. Oh! Yeah, and I... I wrote it down in the actual notes I have here, but, like, she is the spitting image of Lethal. Like, it's startling how much her and that actress look alike. It's a lot. Yeah, I, I just don't have a whole lot to say about it, unfortunately. That's what happened. That's what it won. That's okay. And actually, the stage production was based off of a movie. What Fun movie? Fact. Um, it's... Uh, it's an Austrian movie. I believe you. It's an Austrian movie based off of a book written by the original Maria. Oh, interesting. Because mm-hmm. I knew this was based on, like, real people and real events. Yeah. And, it's obviously and dramatized. Loose, loosely yeah. based. Fictionalized loose. and dramatized and what have you, but... Um, because the original Maria actually came on not as a governess to all of the kids, but only to one of the children. Oh, they, the problem child? Well... Was it Gretel? <laughs> no, this child's name was also Maria, and it was because she had scarlet fever and needed tutoring. Oh my god, did she die? Uh, that No, she did not. Okay. Because no, scarlet, scarlet fever was like a a real big deal. Well, and, and the like keeper... Like a proper death sentence. <laughs> you're right. And like the thing too is, is that Maria counted in her biography that... They, like her and Georg, did not get married out of love. It was a marriage of convenience. Oh, wow. Like. Well, that's very different from the musical we watched. And they were married in 1927. (laughs) So 10 years before what they, in this movie and the musical, what they say. Okay. So we fudged a lot of numbers. A lot of numbers. (laughs) And actually. Well, it makes for a good story. Right. And the reason that the Von Trapps actually became a family singing group is because they ended up losing all of their family wealth in uh, the market crash of the Austria Bank. Sure. In the early 30s. Okay. So they were literally singing for money to get food. Can relate. Yeah. So... (laughs) So this, when I say loosely based, like the names, some of the names are the same. Yeah, they don't even have all the kids <laughs> named th- that same way, or yeah. Well, frankly, seven kids is enough. Too many. I think we had plenty. I yeah. I mean yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I get it. If yeah. I was looking at a storyboard of the family, I probably would have cut a kid too. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, rename a few. Yeah. Mix it up. Get something a little punchier. Yeah. You know. Throw a, throw a brigita in there. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. So, yeah, exactly. So this was released March 2nd, 1965. It was directed by Robert Weiss. Screenplay by Ernest Lehman. Cinematography by Ted D. McCord. And music by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Obviously. Duh. Famously. Famously. The cast for this was the Julie Andrews. The one Miss Julie Andrews. The one Miss Julie Andrews. Mother to us all. As Maria. The gal who was going to be a nun and then didn't be a nun. <laughs> That's her. <laughs> nun nunning going on. Who else? <laughs> I'm tired. Christopher Palmer as Captain Von Trapp. I love Christopher Plummer. Yes. He was actually on Broadway uh, before he was in this. But he did not provide the singing voice. What? The singing voice was Bill Lee. Christopher Plummer didn't do his own singing in The Sound of Music. Are you certain? That's what all of the research I saw. Who do I said. call about that? <laughs> a fundamental fact about the universe has just shifted for me, and I don't know if I'm okay with it. I I mean, I don't know. I think I'm not okay with it. All right. I've actually decided just now. Okay. I am, in fact, not okay with that. Okay. <laughs> all right. Eleanor Parker as Baroness Elsa von Schrader. One of my favorite villains in all of musical theater. Is she really a villain? Yes, she is. Excellent. We'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, Richard Hayden as Max uh, De- DeWeiler. Sorry. Detweiler. Detweiler. Okay. I was like, I don't know. That fucking guy who's definitely a gay uncle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Also a villain. Uh, yes. Although I wish he wasn't. Although he at the is, end, well, there's maybe some there's more. Gray area yeah, there's gray him. area on that one. So there's let's we'll talk about it. Uh, Peggy <laughs> Peggy Wood as Mother Abbas. Peg of my heart, <laughs> Lady Macbeth. Uh, uh, Charmin Shar as Liesel von Trapp. Oh, you're gonna name all the kids, huh? Yeah. Okay, fire away. Yeah, age sixteen. And I don't need their ages. I have them. <laughs> You're going to do this. This is, this is already so long. Heather Menzies as Louisa, 13. Nicholas Hamden as Friedrich. <laughs> I think it's, it's actually Friedrich. Anyway, Friedrich. 14. Freddy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dwayne Chase as Kurt, 11. Angela Cartwright as Brigitte, 10. I love that name. Brigitte? Yeah. All right. Debbie Turner as Marta, 7. Kim Kareth, and Kim spelt with a Y. Kim. Kim. As <laughs> Gretel. I love Gretel. Five. She's such a sassy little actress. Anna Lee as Sister Margareta. Portia Nelson as Sister Bertha. Ben Wright as Erseller, a literal Nazi. Yeah. Daniel uh, Truhitta as Rolf. Man, fuck that kid. Norma Varden as Frau Schmidt, the housekeeper. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gil Stewart as Franz, the butler. Also fuck that guy. Also fuck that guy. Marnie Nixon as Sister Sophia. Uh, Evind, 
A. Vadden. Oh my god. Ms. Baker as Sister Bernice and Doris Lloyd as Ber- Oh my god. Baroness Eberfield. Get it together. No. 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 Well, how exciting. Thank you for naming all of the nuns. Not that we can tell any of them apart. <sighs> How do you solve a problem like Benny? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so for the production for this guy, um, issues. So obviously I already told you the background story of the real Maria and Georg. Fun fact, the backers for this project, um, they considered it a huge risk. Why? Are we still afraid to say that Nazis are bad? Um, no, it was because they're like, no one's going to watch this. Well. It's not good. And so they also thought it was a risk to have Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer lead this because they weren't well known at the time. Okay, so here's the thing. In the 60s, Julie Andrews convinced America that we really liked movie musicals. Yeah. And we didn't. We didn't anymore. The formula had failed well well before that. We'd fallen out of the Hollywood golden age of movie musicals. MGM like wasn't producing them out the way they used to. We weren't into them like like we all th- thought we were. We just really liked Julie Andrews. Yeah. Because there's a series of smash hit musicals that did so so well from the 60s and they all include Julie Andrews. And sh- I I I do not blame Hello, Dolly for the death of the movie musical. I do, in fact, blame Julie Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just, we love Julie. Who doesn't? Because she's fucking delightful. Yeah, who doesn't? Literally no one. Because she is a star. An icon. She's charismatic. She's funny. She's a brilliant actress. She can move. I won't say she's a dancer, but she moves well enough. She sings like a fucking dream. Oh. And she acts through every beat and moment of every song. I mean, she's just breathtaking out loud. And she duped an entire nation for a decade into believing that we could still make movie musicals successfully. Yeah. So she was not really known at the time because Mary Poppins came out in 64. Sure. And this movie came out in 65. Mm-hmm. So by the time they cast her in this, they hadn't, they didn't fucking know she was right. that good. She wasn't the Julie Andrews yet. She was just Julie Andrews like from Mary Poppins and Camelot. And Cinderella that one time, because that was before. Oh this, yeah, wasn't it? that TV the TV version of Cinderella was before this. Mm-hmm. I think that was fifty something even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she'd done a couple things, but she wasn't the Julie Andrews yet. Right. Um. So that wasn't released yet. So they paid her two hundred twenty five thousand to do this, which in today's numbers that's one point nine mil. Not enough. Well, no, because um. <laughs> And the fact, so she got paid that, and then neither she nor any of the other actors were granted a share of the profits either. Garbage. So they were paid what they were paid because they're like, we're not. We don't think make this is going to make a this. return. Well, lol. I'll tell you in in a minute um, how much this fucking thing has brought in. Anyway, so Weiss and Lehman actually went to Disney Studios and got to view some footage of Mary Poppins, which wasn't released yet. Um, and a few minutes into the film, Weiss told Lehman, let's go sign this girl before somebody else sees this film and grabs her. Well, that was smart thinking. Very smart. Um, so obviously she got in this film. 
Some of the other child actors that were interviewed or tested that were not selected was Mia Farrow. Interesting. Patty Duke, Leslie Ann Warren. Oh. Geraldine Chaplin. Uh, Shelley Fabres. Shelley Duvall. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Terry Gar, Kurt Russell. Interesting. And the Osmonds. Okay, well, that was a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> You've made the right decision. And the singing voices for these kids. So they used seven children, the seven children that were there, and five adults to record all of the children's voices. That's fair, because some of the choral stuff on this is, like, pretty tricky. Right, and, like, the children sound good. Well, yeah, and- it's like a plot point that they sound good right like it's important to the storytelling that they sound like a dream when they sing together yeah so i i that i am i am more okay with there's only one time where actually all of the kids sing together is it goodbye no oh because that one's kind of (laughs) crap no um (sighs) yeah no are you gonna tell me when we get to it though yeah okay yeah so that's the production for this guy. And it was actually shot in California and then also over in Austria. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the reception for this guy. Lay it on me. Not good. Well. So. <laughs> not to bet for the, the losing team here or whatever, but like, I get it. <laughs> so very, very mixed reviews. Um, very harsh uh, some okay. of these reviews. So Bosley Crother of the New York Times said that the film's romantic nonsense and sentiment and the children's artificial roles and Robert Weiss's cozy come corny direction made this film terrible. Uh, I don't think I agree with that. Uh, Judith Christ wrote a biting review for the New York Herald Tribune. Oh my. Dismissed the whole movie as icky sticky and designed for the five to seven set and their mommies. Whoa, that I definitely disagree with. Uh, Pauline Kale called the film a sugar-coated lie people seem to want to eat, and that audiences have turned into emotional and aesthetic imbeciles when we hear ourselves humming the sickly goody-goody songs. Okay, some of this is beginning to sound like propaganda? A lot of this is very much so like... I don't know if it's because, like, I wish I had more context, right? Sure. I would love to know more about these reviewers. (laughs) Well, it's like, was this film viewed as too light and gushy because they're like, the Holocaust was a serious thing and you used it as too light of, you used it as a light backdrop? Like, I don't know if that's their critique. Well, but even then, like, I was going to say, because the story is not really about that. It's about other things set during, like, the Nazi invasion of Austria. But it's, but it is about that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they don't tiptoe around it. Like, they don't make light of it. No. I disagree with that. It sounds, that sounds like, honestly, it sounds like Nazi apologist propaganda. So I'm just like, um... Not to say that, like, if you don't like this movie, you're a Nazi, because, like, neither of us like this movie, but, like, I don't dislike it for any of those reasons. No, and they're like, all of the songs are too goody-goody, and they're the, and and I'm like, I can see some of that, but also you have to realize that a lot of these 
songs are for and around children. So right. yeah, of course they're going to not have like a really serious air about them. You know yeah. what I mean? They're also not all goody goody. Like no, pick any of the reprises at the end of this movie. Like they're all very depressing. Yeah, they're dark, and that's the point. Right. How can you think this is candy coated? We literally end with the Nazi invasion of Austria. <laughs> I well yeah 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 yeah. What? And so Weiss later recalled that the East Coast intellectual papers and magazines destroyed us, but the local papers and the trades gave us great reviews. Um, so people like Philip uh, Schreuer of the Los Angeles Times described the film as three hours of visual and vocal brilliance. Variety called it a warmly pulsating, captivating drama set to the most imaginative, imaginative use of the lilting Rogers and Hammerstein tunes, magnificently mounted with a brilliant cast. So, like these smaller publications, at the time they were smaller. That reeks of propaganda. Were like, this. These were great, and then these like larger publications, which are often owned by incredibly rich people, were like, this was shit. That's propaganda. Yeah. So. Um, this film overseas was interesting. Sure. So in Austria and specifically in Germany, the Nazi theme was especially unpopular. Go figure. Right. Um, so the Munich branch manager for the 20th Century Fox had actually approved an unauthorized cutting of the entire third act of the film. Yikes. So, like, all of the really hardcore, like, yeah. where you actually see the Nazis, like, have control over Austria now. Uh-huh. They cut it. They stopped this movie after the wedding sequence. Oof. Yeah. That's, you missed the point then. And. That's terrible. So, once 20th century over here in the United States found out, that guy got <laughs> shit canned. Yeah, you bet. And they added that ending back in, and they were like, no. What we're not going to do is not talk about Nazis. Right. That's what we're not doing. And this film, as of 2014, so it's been some time, was ranked the fifth highest grossing film in history, and adjusted for inflation, brought in $2.3 billion worldwide. And quick reminder, none of the actors... Got, got a cut. A cut of any of that and were paid just their original amount. All right, let's dive into this plot, biddies. We're going to clip right along because the first half of this movie is just as long, if not longer, than some of the full movies we have watched. Yeah, so if it seems like we're just... Flying. It's because we are. It's because we're flying. This musical is two hours and 56 minutes long. Yeah. When it was on VHS, it was two VHS It was literally two tapes. I remember that from my childhood. So let's fly, baby. So we start off with all these sweeping shots of the Austrian countryside, and they just take so long. I, yeah. Like, where is Maria? Why isn't she a problem yet? Can we get to it? Exactly. So, mountainscapes, going over towns, how fun. 
oh my God, finally, after 30 seconds to a minute or more, it's we get Maria. several minutes. It takes so long. We get Maria and the sound of music, the song. Now listen, Julie Andrews is absolutely a revelation out loud. God damn, I love her voice. She really is. Like, could we have used a third of this opening sequence and all of these sweeping shots? Absolutely. There was a lot in this movie that I was like, you could have cut this out. You could have cut this down to half the time that you spent on this. This movie did not need to be three hours long. It's my major complaint about the film adaptation is that it it just takes so long. The pacing is not well controlled. Mm -mm. No. So she sings her song about how wonderful music and the hills and everything is. And she's really connected to nature. And we love that for her. Great. She hears church bells and she's like, oh, fuck. I'm late. Off she goes. Turns out that was just the prelude. And now we get the title sequence with the, the opening credits and points for overture. But like we, oh, oh my God. Wonderful. More sweeping shots of Austria. We it, didn't have enough. Uh, so long. So thank goodness. So long. We do in the opening sequence get um, the choreographer and the costume designer mentioned by name. Dee Dee Wood is the, the choreographer. And I just want to mention her real quick because she also did Mary Poppins. She did Happiest Millionaire. She does Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, damn. She covered a lot of um, grandiose musicals kind of in this era. Um, she worked a lot with the Sherman Brothers. She worked a lot with Disney. Um, the, the costume designer also did a fair chunk of movies especially musicals in this era a lot of low budget quick turnaround things um you could tell that there was definitely like a team of people who worked together frequently and like churned out a bunch of shit in this era hell yeah so we're kicking in here we're in salzburg austria in the 1930s at one point, we get a date, an actual date, but I think this is like 37 sure. or so based off of the timing of everything that happens. Right, because we don't get a year until later, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, so mm-hmm. we're, we're postulating probably 37. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in that window. Yep. So we've got the, the morning hymn and Alleluia. Beautiful fucking choral sound here. Absolutely stunning. Holy Rogers and Hammerstein. my hair. Right off. Yeah, Rodgers and Hammerstein is always gorgeous, but like, again, can we get a move on? Because we do get two full Catholic hymns. The full song. Twice. Come on. And when we kick into... So I thought that it was all one thing, right? And I was like, oh, we're about to end. And then it they revved up into Alleluia. And I was like... Christ alive. Oh, okay. And the head bitch, um, the head nun, mm-hmm. not the actual reverend mother, but not the like, gal who yeah. was directing the choir. Not the mother abbess, the choir director. Right. She is wearing the most <laughs> ridiculous gloves. They're they are like, pretty extra. They are like horse riding gloves that are bejeweled and bedazzled and gold stoned. Stoned. <laughs> They have more stones and are shinier and bigger than that glove Thanos wears. Listen, again, wow, a Marvel reference. That was out of character for you. It was, <laughs> but that's that's all I could think of. You can, so ornate. You can tell that there are some campy, over-the-top homosexuals involved in this. <laughs> oh, this movie? I don't know if you guys know this or not. This movie? Gay. Campy, campy as hell. Gay. 
Oh, absolutely. Oh my god. And I'm convinced it's the only reason that it's like stayed afloat is because it like found a niche gay audience that propelled it through time. So speaking of that, in the early 2000s, they would do sing-alongs for this. Right. And that's actually an episode of Will and Grace, mm-hmm. which I was like, Sound of Music sing-alongs, why the fuck would they do that? Because it's gay. It's gay. <laughs> it's gay. And it makes sense now that it was like a sing-along that happened in like New York and it was on Will and Grace. Yeah. Again, I just think this found a niche audience and, and it's stuck over time. So yeah. so the nuns are bitching about Maria's missing. These and shitty, shitty nuns. <laughs> go in on her in the song Maria. It's vicious. They... Are just like, she, one is like, she's a fucking delight and you're just a dumb bitch. And the one who's a dumb bitch is like, no, she's fucking awful and needs to be kicked out. (laughs) It's so vicious that there's like a whole SNL skit about it. When Ariana Grande was on SNL, Mm -hmm. they do like a whole thing where like she interrupts the song and she's like, were you guys just fucking talking about me? And they're like, oh, no, we were calling you a moonbeam and a cloud. And she's like, I heard clown. A why, gibbet? why are you talking about me? Say it to my face. Bitch. <laughs> like, seriously. And also, so there's this one nun that sings the words. When I'm with her, I'm confused. I'm out of focus and bemused. I never know exactly where I am. It's because you're gay. That's... You want to fuck Maria. <laughs> That's gay rights. That's gay. Gay rights. That's gay. You're confused when you're with her and you're all like bewildered and all like, woo. Yeah. It's because you want to bone Maria. Right. That's called a sexual awakening. I know you're like a Catholic nun, so that's probably like not a thing you've experienced up to this point, but that's what that's called. Gay. Yeah. Gay. Gay All of of the nuns are gay and shady. (laughs) All of them. So they wrap up the song, right? Because they're like bitching to the mother reverend about her and what she should do about her, right? Maria comes bolting in thinking that she is not going to get caught, but she's super fucking late. Runs by everybody, freezes and realizes what she's done. Huffs and makes an exit, which I think is just kind of dumb, but whatever. Happens to the best of us. She gets a meeting with the Reverend Mother and they're having a conversation of like, girl, why did you want to become a nun? She's like, well, it's because I saw over your garden wall one day and you were all singing and gardening and having fun. And that and was delightful. And I wanted to do that. I mean, same. And the Reverend Mother was like, well, that's not... That's not exactly it, though, right? Right. So now that you're in it, you're like, oh, fuck. Right. Because the reason the rest of us are called here are for, like, religious reasons. Right. Right. Like, we felt the call, as they call it. Yeah. Or you were gay. Right. And wanted to be around (laughs) a bunch of women. I mean, yeah, it was a popular reason for joining a convent in the olden days. Mm -hmm. Maria wanted to do it because she liked gardening, which is, like, not a reason to be a nun. Gardening and singing (laughs) and, like, hanging out with your gal pals. And she's like, this sounds sounds great. And I'm like, I feel like you would have liked a non-cult commune. Sure. I feel like that's what you want. Yeah, like some sort of communal living. All she wanted? Community. Turns out that's not what she got, though. And she's like, well, I'm not sure. Should I stay? Should I go? You should go. And Mother's like, all right, I've got a task for you. You're going to go live with Captain Von Trapp and be the governess of his children. He has not been able to hold one down. You're going to go do this and see if you can't find your calling elsewhere. Because, girl, this ain't it. 
But if you really can't after this, you're welcome back and we'll make you a nun. But you have to go try this first. Right. You have until September. Best of luck. Merry Christmas. Goodbye. And she's like, um, why can't he hold a governess down? Not important. Pack your bag. And she's like, (laughs) the good Lord will show you in his own time. You bitch. All right, fine. And then we get the number I have confidence, which is all about her leaving the Abbey and her traveling to their house. And she's like, I've got confidence. I can fucking do this. And this was the one they wrote for the movie, right? This is one. There's another one later that was also written for the movie. Um, But this is one of them. And she has this really great, like, dance sequence down the dirt road right before she gets to the house. This song is so fucking long. It is a long one. I don't really want to call it a dance sequence either. It's more of like a hop, like skippity, weird, jump. It's a, but it, She's me, a strong mover. She's not a dancer. Right. Well, and to me, I was like, so you did this in one shot. Oh, fully. Oh, you can tell. There are stumbles and missteps and like it's very unpolished, but I think that's kind of the point. Right, right. And it's a good sequence. She's got that killer carpet bag and that ugly, ugly hat. Which I just want to say... One year after another, where she Julie plays Andrews, <laughs> she plays a musical a nanny, bag yeah, and shows up to take care of children with a song in her heart. Yeah, yeah. My God, she plays musical nannies with a killer carpet bag back to back. Yeah, I love that for her. Girl, get it. She gets to the house. This place is fucking massive. It's a huge house. Gorgeous. Massive. Stunning. She enters into the home, and it just. Oh, the carvings all over, the it's, everything. Yeah, it's, it's like beautiful. a grand entrance hall. Yeah. Money. Money. Okay. She's looking around and she's like, all right, well, I'm, because she talked to the butler and he's like, oh, all right, I'll go. I'll go get the captain. Yeah. I think she, she introduces herself as the new governess and he says, I'm the old butler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a funny line. And she's looking around, and because she's nosy as hell, she pops into a room that She just starts opening doors. It's casual. My God. And she heads on in and sees that this is definitely a ballroom. It has multiple chandeliers. Everything's covered. Yeah, and- it's a sort of like a portrait hall ballroom. Like, the room is just wall-to-wall portraits. And it's gorgeous and ornate and, like, very lovely. Stunning. And then out of the darkness steps Christopher Plummer... Oh, caught. Red-handed. Caught. And he's Gold-handed. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> everything in this house is gilded. Yeah. And he's pissed. He's like, all right, will you please come out of there? Yeah. He really sternly says something along the lines of like, uh, in the future here, you'll remember, you'll take good care to remember that some rooms are not to be entered. Something along those lines. It's a very stern, like... It's very Beauty and the Beast. You don't go into like... Don't the, enter the West Wing. The West Wing. <laughs> yeah. It's very that. Um... Which you would think that it has a deeper connection other than my wife died and we don't sing and dance and party here anymore. Right. But it's that. Yeah. Some of these rooms were meant for merriment and we don't do that here anymore. (laughs) Right. And so it just, yeah, whatever. Anyway. So he's like, girl, what are you wearing? We're going to need to get you some new fabric um, because you can't wear this. It's possibly the ugliest thing I've ever seen. It's so ugly. He tells her... (laughs) He tells her right away, you'll have to change into another dress before you meet the kids. And she says, I don't have another dress. They take all our stuff when we become nuns. And, uh, and give it to the poor. Yeah. And he was like, well, what do they do with it? 
she said we, they give it to the to the needy mm-hmm. to the poor and uh and he said well why did you get to keep this dress and she said oh the poor didn't want this one he's like i can see why i get it like i get it <laughs> I mean, look at that dress. I mean, hideous. I get it. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to order you fabric. Lickety split. Like, today. (laughs) And I would like it to arrive today. (laughs) You're going to have to make some stuff right right away. So he whistle calls the kids. He's got like a, like a naval whistle. It's really inhumane. It's really gross. The way he calls his children. They each have a call. So the kids come, they line up, and he does their individual calls. Because Some of them are really silly. <laughs> I mean... Gretel's in particular is like... The one that he's about to give Maria, and she's oh like, Oh my god, no. that's fine, actually. <laughs> no. he like He's like four or five bars into a whole tune here, and she's like, now, just a minute. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, the reason that I do this is because this house and... The yard is massive, and I will not have people shouting. So you're going to fucking whistle at them instead? Yeah. I mean, it's about decorum in for some reason, like in some weird way. I don't know. I hate it. I so also hate it. He's like, I, I'm going to do their whistle. They're going to step forward, tell you their name, age, and something about themselves, and then step back. And then he was like, he did all of that and was like, all right, here's a whistle. Now do all of them. Let's see how good your ear is. Fuck you. And she was like, no, I'm just going to use their names. So. If that's fine. <laughs> and he's like, well, this is the one that I'm going to use to call you. And he starts. And like goes like, starts twirling his fucking head around with this goddamn whistle. And she's like. It's camp. Maria. Call me Maria. And then he's like, this is fucking ridiculous. And he's. So he starts walking away and is like, you know, do your thing. And then she whistles at him. And she's like, you didn't give me your whistle signal. And his face is like, cunt. <laughs> like, he is pissed. Well, yeah, because but also, like, in this moment, tickled. he's like, why would you need to whistle at me? How inhumane. Rude. But, like, that's the point. And, like, the whistle thing is stupid, but I will forgive him because Christopher Plummer is so attractive. Because he's so hot. <laughs> So, it just, I, ugh. And he's like, did you behave this badly in the Abbey? And she's like, no, way worse. (laughs) He's like, oh, fucking great. But also, I can't complain because I can't fucking keep anybody here because my kids are awful. I forgot how, like, charming and funny this movie is. It is. It's got some good comedy. It is. So, she turns to the kids and admits, I've never been a governess. Bold move. I mean, yeah, why would you ever say that? Bold move. And I was like, I can't wait to get your advice and blah, 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 blah. Don't do that. No. So the kids hug her and start going off. She reaches in her pocket and finds a frog and she freaks the fuck out, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, the captain has come back to like escort her to her room now too. And that's when they discover the frog. So it happens like in front of him and she kind of like makes a fool of herself. Yeah. And so we are now at dinner. She is late to dinner because these kids were like giving her all of this advice, da da da, whatever, like, oh, never arrive to dinner on time and never do this and never do that. Granted, I'm sure there was something else that kept her because she came bolting into that fucking room. Yeah. So kind of alluding to the fact that these kids 
have just kept playing pranks on her this entire fucking day. Right. Although she does arrive late for dinner, which is like another bad look. She's not making a very good first impression here today. Right. So she goes to sit down and she definitely sits on a pine cone and freaks out. Oh, fully. And she doesn't snitch. She doesn't say shit. She sits down and she's like, oh, I just want to thank these children for the wonderful present that you gave me earlier today. I was feeling so alone, so scared being in a new place, a new journey far away from the Abbey. And that gift made me feel so warm and welcome. The Catholic guilt is so thick. <laughs> Talk shit on these kids, Fraulein. As like she, she does right in front of dad. And she, he was like, well, what's the gift? And she's like, that's just between us. That's right. It's meant to be a secret. She does not fucking snitch. And these kids are like, oh, she's a different breed. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, no. The kids are like, oh, no. Oh, no. We've tampered with fire now. (laughs) And the kids just start bawling. And I'm like, that's right. You cry, you little bitches. Yeah. And the old, it's like the older three out of the seven kids, like, just kind of roll their eyes and cross their arms. And they're like, well played. They're like, oh, fuck. Well played, you cheeky bitch. (laughs) Right. So dad gets a telegram and he's going off to Vienna and he's going to be bringing back the Baroness. Okay, so... And Uncle Max. Rolf is the one who delivers the telegram. Yeah. And he has this interaction with the butler at the door where they like, they like speak in coded language. Any news? They're They're exchanging like Nazi updates. Right. Right. Like updates about the party. And I, I had forgotten, like in my head, we don't find out that Rolf is like a part of the Nazi youth until at the end of the movie. But LOL. But it happens like literally in the very first scene, like the very first time we meet him. Yeah. He's already entrenched in Nazism. And I think it's because when we watched this, we were younger and did not pick up on that. No. And why would we have at the age of, you know, 12 or I think we watched the first time I watched this, I was in elementary school. I'm pretty sure. That's the only time that I had started watching this and stopped because right. I was bored. I think I was like seven or eight. Well, again, it's because if they're, the pacing isn't very good, and if you don't have the tension of like the Nazi threat, you don't to string the scenes right. together. You don't really understand why why it the, is you paced don't get the, the way urgency it is. In right, the... right, exactly the sense of urgency. Right. So it was just shocking to me, which is something that I had no memory of that he's a Nazi. Like literally the first time we meet him. Yeah. Rolf is a bad kid, like, from the get-go. Right. So they're whispering and whatever. And, oh, Lisa is like, oh, um, who Who, who, who delivered, delivered the telegram? And he's like, oh, it was that Rolf kid or whatever. And she's like, oh, oh okay. okay. Can um, I excuse myself? So she goes out. Um, off to, Lisa goes to fuck a Nazi. Yeah, I, I wrote down, madam, that is a Nazi. Yeah. You may not. <laughs> yeah. So... So far, we're like, okay, dad's going to go off, get this baroness that he's clearly been interested in and is going to introduce to the kids. Right. Uncle Max with the kids are super jazzed to see Uncle Max again. Yeah. They're all like, they have a cheer about it. They're all excited at his name. Liesl fucks off to go fuck a Nazi. She kind of like in the, com- in the commotion slides out of the room without being seen. Right. Right. So now we're with Liesl and Rolf and they're having a conversation um, going back and forth about things. And Rolf is like, well, your dad's very loudly Austrian. And she's like, yeah, well, we all are. And he's like, 
Yeah, but some people think that we should be German and your dad maybe needs to not be so loud about wanting to stay Austrian because it could become a problem for him. What he means by become German is like give in to the Nazi party. Right. That's what those words mean. Right. And then they have this weird moment where she's like, send me a telegraph, Rolf. And he like starts talking to her and is like, that's what I would send you as a telegraph. Because I've missed you and I can only see you when uh, your dad gets sent telegraphs and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. They're f- it's a fucking weird thing. <laughs> Which leads into 16 going on 17. And the fact that he's like, you're just little. You're just itty bitty. You're just a little girl. I'm one year older than you. But you're just, you're just so young and naive and stupid. And you need a man to be able to tell you what to do in this life. Maybe I could be that man. Yeah. Shut up, you fucking Nazi. It's unimpressed. It's so Hate the weird. <laughs> Returning to this movie as an adult was such a weird experience because I know this song. I like this song. I hum this song to myself all the, all the time. And then I like listened to the lyrics mm-hmm. now as an adult. And I was like, oh, I don't think I like that. No. I think that's inappropriate. Um, And all I had running through my head this entire song was, you are 16 going on 17. Actually, Actually I'm 33. 33. <laughs> like that's all. <laughs> Another SNL skit. Yeah, that's that's it. That's the only thing that I had in my head. Um, What I will say about this song is that it is a very well shot, well done dark sequence. What do you mean by, do- by that? So I, I, it feels like, and I think Marvel is especially guilty of this. Game of Thrones is another one that does it a lot. But often they'll have scenes that are meant to be during uh, like the nighttime or in a cave or like some sort of dark shot where like the, the atmosphere, the set of the production is dark. Mm-hmm. But you can't fucking see anything. Yeah. Like the contrast is terrible and like you just can't you just can't tell what's happening because the sh- the scene is so dark, the shot is dark. And this is a really wonderful example I think of a really well-shot dark sequence where like it happens outside at night but it's still like well lit. They have a good use of color that indicates the nighttime. They still have lots of like shadows that they play with and but and their shadows used creatively to their advantage. And it's just like, like we knew how to do this well in the 60s. And you mean to tell me that this like big budget HBO series in the 21st century can't film a scene in a cave so that I can see what's going on? Like That's absurd. Yeah. And it's just a wonderful example, I think, of a really well shot film sequence. Dark sequences can be hard to do well, and they do it to, to really spectacular grandeur i think here and those aren't words i would normally use for this movie musical but this sequence in particular there's a a lot of really wonderful camera action those grand sweeping shots from the beginning are very impressive camera wise you know we didn't have uh, we talked about this before we we didn't have drones i think it was funny girl we mentioned it Mm -hmm. now those shots are easy to capture because we have the technology to kind of grab them really quickly and efficiently we did back then Right. Right. So there, it's impressive camera work, and this is a really well-shot sequence. Yeah. Um, we get dancing in the gazebo because it started raining. The gazebo is stunning. The gazebo was a great choice. Uh, the fact that we do this in the rain with, like, thunder and lightning, and, like, it's a really beautiful sequence. Yeah. Um, they kiss. 
He runs away. She comes out of the gazebo and says, we. We. I hated it. I don't know. <laughs> it just, yeah. Back at the ranch, uh, Frau Schmidt gives the fabric to Maria. She's like, make better clothes. Yours are ugly. And Maria's like, okay, cool. Can I get more fabric? Because I actually want to make play clothes for the kids. Because I keep asking people, when do they go and play? No one will tell me. And uh, Frau Schmidt is like, well, that's because they don't. They march. They march and they study and that's it. Because all joy got sucked out of this house when the wife died. Right. And this is where we kind of get that backstory. And and Frau Schmidt kind of tells us, like, we don't sing, we don't dance, we don't joy, we don't happy, we don't smile, we don't laugh. We just... He runs this like a naval ship now since she's gone. And that's it. So... And she quickly mentions, oh, you're also going to be getting new drapes because they've already been ordered and ta-da. Yeah. And she's like, I really don't need new drapes. And Frau Schmidt was like, well, nevertheless. They're already ordered. So it's not really up to you. Uh, Right. (laughs) Maria starts praying because she's ready for bed. Right. Um, and Liesl comes through the window. She tries praying. wet. She tries praying for each of the kids. And there's one at the very end. And she's like, I'm missing one. The, that boy. Don't... The other boy's name. I don't know what his name <laughs> she is. She says, well, either way, bless what's his name. <laughs> and, and then Liesl crawls in through the they, window. Well, they do a really great thing, too, with the thunder in this entire scene sequence. of The like, one in her bedroom here. Yeah, yeah. Anytime, like, she puts up a question to, like, God or, you know, whatever, there's, like, a rumble. Yeah. That it, happens. The storm seems to be, like, part of the conversation with her, which I thought was very clever. Yeah. Liesel's here sopping wet. A fucking mess. The dress she is wearing, first of all, is sopping wet. Second of all, is filthy. Yeah. They definitely fucked in that gazebo. Or on the ground, even. I don't, think I think I think she fell, but you don't think look at me fucked. like no. Just, don't give me that fine. look. I will it's die fine. on this hill. It's fine. She banged a Nazi in the rain, and you can't convince me otherwise. Gross, and I hate it. So <laughs> her and Maria are like, she's kind of standoffish a bit. Maria's like, girl, I'm your friend. We're gonna goss. Go change. Take a hot shower. Get out of this filthy dress. If we wash it tonight, no one will ever know. But we're you're gonna come back in here, and we're gonna you're hop gonna in this tell bed me what and happened. And we're gonna gossip. Yeah, and we're so jazzed about it. Um. So, Liesl's off doing that. Gretel kicks down the <laughs> fucking door. Gretel is five years old. The way this child fully just like just boom and like just stands there petrified. She she reminds me storm. she reminds me of like a like a live action toned down less evil version of Darla Dimple. Yeah. Like she's this she's a sort of overinflated kind of like hyper cheesy actress. And granted she's a young young child actor so like what more could you really expect? But like she, her, the character of Gretel is this kind of like punchline button on all of the children's activities just ridiculous i think she's so funny and yeah she like kicks in the door and then she just like clings to the door frame like a deer in a headlight yeah and she's it's because she's afraid of the storm slowly but surely all of the kids show up because they're petrified of the storm they all crawl into maria's bed maria's (laughs) like you know what i do when things are terrible i sing about it when the boys come in and she gets both of their names. She has a moment where she was like, oh, yes, Kurt, the one I was forgetting. God bless Kurt. Like, it's just a real quick 
kind of one-off throwaway punchline. Yeah, there's a rumble in response. Um, It's just a reminder of how incredibly charming the character is and how charming Julie Andrews is as an actress. I mean, she's so forwardly likable. And it, I think it's partially the character, but it's also partially the the actress. And it's just a it's a match made in heaven, really. But but yes, now we're singing um, my, my favorite, favorite things. things. Why is this a Christmas song? I genuinely don't know. I Other ask than... myself every December, why is this a Christmas song? Well, it it doesn't make sense. It doesn't because if you're like singing about things that you love. Okay, yeah, sure, Christmas time, gifts, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it but kind of falls into like, that, that category of Christmas songs about getting presents, but, like, not really. No, because she's because it's all about, like, when, this, when the storm and all of these terrible things are happening, remember, remember these good things and you don't feel so bad? Maybe that's it? I don't know. I have no fucking idea, but it is. So they're singing. It's a fun, fun time. The captain appears out of nowhere, scares the shit out of me because the camera doesn't, we don't see him before Maria does. No, there is no like entrance. There's no, like, we don't see his shadow or anything. It's just like a pan around the room. And then he's like there behind her right there. Scared the shit out of me. And he is pissed and is like, you're supposed to follow bedtime. What the fuck is going on in here? Go to bed. You little shits. I think it's funny. Yeah, it's fine. It's a funny entrance. I really like it. And so he's like, I'm literally leaving for Vienna in the morning. Can you get your shit together? Thanks. And she she does like catch him on the way out the door. And she's like, I need fabric for play clothes for the kids. Uh, pretty please. I know you leave in the morning. But is, there, is there anything you can do? And he was like, literally, no. Have a good night. Don't make them play clothes. We don't play here. Don't do the thing. So she goes and she sits down in her chair and she touches her curtains. Yeah, it, it, she she's irritated. She kind of like... Bats at the curtains out of frustration. And then she's like, oh, oh, hold on a minute. I'm getting new curtains. I and she have looks an around idea. the room. There are like four full, like ceiling to floor length windows in this room. And they've all got curtains. It's a lot of curtains. It's a lot of fabric. <laughs> yeah. So, flash forward. She's made all of the kids' play clothes out of these And they curtains. are the ugliest play clothes. I love clothes. this. Pla- I knew you would. I love it. I love I the knew pattern. you would love this pattern. I love the colors. Why? It's I think hideous. these are so cute. It's like a chartreuse paisley leaf pattern. I don't know why. It's hideous. I love it. it I is, love it. It is an absolutely iconic print. I mean, hello. Like, excellent costume choice. I love it. I hate it. That's fine. So they're um, they're in an outing, and I mean, we flash through shitloads of Austrian sights. Yeah, they're going sightseeing. The kids are living life, really, is what's happening. Right. They're not under their father's thumb anymore, so they're like being children. Right. We've got downtown. We got the market. We're hopping on a train. We're going up hills to picnics. We're having fun, right? <laughs> the kids are super jazzed about everything. And they're like, can we do this every day? Okay, maybe every other day so we don't get sick of it. And I'm like, you're ridiculous. <laughs> Maria's like, all right, bitches, why don't we learn to sing? And As she, one does on a hill in Austria. <laughs> right. And she busts out some good old do-re-mi. I fucking hate solfege. I do too. There I was always I so it. bad at it. Do you remember trying to and learn the like the hand sig- signs? Yes. No, I'm, terrible. I'm terrible at it. I hate it. Anyway. I suck. So they're like, all right, we're going to learn a song. 
So that way you can sing it for the Baroness. But first, music theory. Julie Andrews teaching music theory since 1965. My God. So, Do you remember learning this song in elementary school? Yes. We learned this song like out of the context of the musical. Yeah. To like learn the solfege scale. Yep. That's crazy. Like the impact and the legacy that this song has through like music education and for like young people in music. Oh God, yeah. How crazy. Brava, Rogers and Hammerstar. I mean, yeah, way to like leave your mark. They were like, my God, what if we, they should write a song about the circle of fifths. That better be super popular. Right. <laughs> so the kids are like, but dad, it's going to be mad. And she's like, fuck your dad and his opinions. Um, you're him. my kids now. <laughs> so we go through different days through this song now because like the kids change clothes several times and it's because they're working on their musical abilities, Right. So fun. So many adventures. They sound great. Quick reminder. This is the seven kids and also five adults that are singing the backtracks to this. Right. Which girl get it. Fill out your sound. Georg's back. He's taken Uncle Max and the Baroness and they're coming home. Horm? They're coming home. They're Also, up until this point, I've only seen Georg's name written. Oh, so you thought it was George. Uh, or something of that nature. I did not realize that it was Georg. Georg. We had a Georg in Spring Awakening. Well, I didn't do anything with Georg. You didn't have any scenes with Georg? None. That's a lie. You're totally <laughs> lying. I yeah. Know, yeah. I was like, um, what the fuck? Yes, you did. <laughs> I was there. So they're chatting um, about what they're going to do while they're here, this, that, the other thing. Uncle Max is like, I need to find a singing group to enroll in the Salzburg Music Festival because they're going to go and then I'm going to get all of the money. And is that shady and shitty? Probably, but I don't care and I'm going to keep doing it. Well, I mean, he's he's the 30s version of like a manager. Yeah. But before we had any way to, like, regulate that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, like, that's entirely what managers did at the time. He was, like, a talent scout manager type dealio. Right. So, they're heading home, and they see all of these children in these trees. They're like, what the fuck? Georg's like, ah, just urchins. Ignore them. Little urchins from town. (laughs) So, they head home. Him and the Baroness are talking flirting pretty heavily and he's like yeah you know i want to introduce my kids because maybe ha 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 also he has a riding crop for whatever fucking reason for sex reasons there's not a horse around for we sex. never see a horse we, uh, we don't there are no horses in this why stone. do you have a riding crop for sex i'm uncomfortable oh no i think we do see horses at one point i'll mention it when we get there okay because i was like i no, I think I we do. I don't believe I saw a horse, and why does he have a riding crop? I think we do, although it's not Georg's horse. <laughs> so, I'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get there when we get there. Whatever. Georg's kinky. <laughs> <laughs> so, they're standing uh. outside, and they... Um, which, by... My God, could I clock that wig line on the Baroness? Oh, it's a... So, here's the thing. It's a really good uh. wig. It is. It is laid down very poorly. Yeah. And like maybe we didn't have a way to do that better in the 60s, but I think we could have. I don't know. My God, I clocked that pretty hard. I think we could have done better. And because it's like a blonde wig, so it's like. It is beautifully styled, though. Stun. Um, 
Well, what now? You're too, you got derailed by a bad wig and a riding crop. I did. I just <laughs> oh, that's a good title. A bad wig and a riding crop. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, Captain's sitting on her, and everyone is so fucking sassy. Every single person, Georg, Max. Which, by the way, Max is a gay uncle. Oh, absolutely. You Max can't is, convince Max me is their otherwise. Gay uncle. And the oh, there's a telegram. Ah, uh, yes, a telegram for Harry Witherspoon. Call back to our <laughs> November episode. Is it for? Uh, oh, oh my god! Are you okay? Petrified. Is it for Harry Witherspoon or is it for uh, for Fanny Bryce? Or is it for? Georg. Who knows? Von Ridingcrop. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, he gets a telegram that he's being recruited well, to the he, Navy. Well, because he catches Rolf <clears throat> tossing pebbles at Liesel's window, and right. he's like, what the Rolf fuck who, are you doing here? Rolf, who very clearly didn't know that, that Georg was back in town. And Rolf, who turns uh, to Georg and says, Hal Hitler. And throws a full heil in the air. Like Ooh. a Nazi salute. Big yikes. Huh? Yikes, yikes. Okay, so being less quiet about it now, right? right? To which Georg, like, very sternly dismisses him, and then... He's like, that's fucking gross. Give me my telegram and get the fuck off my property. Yeah, and him and Max have a small exchange afterwards. Right, because he's like, this is fucked up and wrong, and Max is like, yeah, but also... I don't really have a political opinion. He's like, I have no political convictions, and why is it a problem if I know people that do? He's like... Because that's... Because you're a part of the fucking problem, Max. Right. You just out loud said I'm friends with Nazis and don't really mind. Right. That's a problem, Maxwell. And by the way, I just want to say, Georg is very strongly against Nazis in this movie. Yeah. The real-life Georg was also strongly against Nazis. Oh, I love that. was offered a position in the Royal... Uh, or in the Navy for the Third Reich. Right. While his family was dirt-ass broke. Right, because they had lost all their money. So here in the movie, it looks like he has a really good, you know, financial backing still. They sure, didn't sure. have that at all in real life. And so he considered taking the job because of that. But he was like, no, I can't be a Nazi. Yeah. If that's the one thing that we carry through from the source material to this like final iteration of the story, I think that's the thing to carry over. Yeah. Right? Like, the anti-Nazi sentiment should be, like, the baseline. Good job, Georg. Yeah, yeah. Well done. I wrote down, uh, Georg, fuck Nazis, Von Trapp. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ride- von Reidenkrop. <laughs> Georg, fuck Nazis, Von Reidenkrop. Exactly. Maybe that's the title. <laughs> so many title options. <laughs> so, turns out, Maria and the kids took the canoe. And now they're, like, coming by in the whatever the fuck river, whatever this is in front of the house. Cause they all took the canoe and everyone turns and looks and sees the captain. They're so fucking jazzed that they all fall out of it. Right. Everyone stands up in the canoe. And I was like, like idiots, including Maria. This like, can't end well. You dumb. silly, silly folk. So they come on up and he freaks out, whistles at them and they all stand in line. He ends up like, ripping the headscarf off one of the kids. Yeah, I think it's Louisa. And it's like unnecessarily vicious. Yeah, it's weird. I I don't know. Put it away. Yeah. He's showing off in front of the Baroness, who like very clearly has a... She's a very um, slyly coded villain. 
Yeah, because, I mean, at one point she talks to Max and he's like, seeing you with a gaggle of children, how comical. And she's like, well, they have boarding schools for a reason. Yeah, I mean, she has no intentions of being a mother in this scenario. Yeah. And so anyway, so Georg introduces the Baroness and they're like, all right, hi. The kids are unimpressed. She's like, this is weird. And the dad is pissed. Dumb. Just dumb. Anyway, kids get sent inside and the Baroness goes inside and then Georg gets after Maria and they just both start screaming at each other because it's shit. And I wrote Maria, tough love Augusta. Yeah. Well, because it just, she's in the right. She absolutely is in the right. He's being shitty and it gets to the point where she is going after him and then he just calls her, he says like, that's enough captain. Oh yeah. The, the Freudian slip of the captain. Oh, I loved that. And he gets pissed and is like, go pack your shit. Well, cause I don't think anybody had ever spoken to him like that. No, God, no. With maybe the exception of his wife. Right. And we don't know what their relationship was. No. So we don't know if, she's, you know. F- she's dead. Far dead. Yeah. We'll, we'll never Indeed. know. Indeed. <laughs> dead. But then, oh, what do they hear? Little voices on the wind. <laughs> Singing Christ. the sound of music. And it's lovely. It's lovely. It is beautiful. Yes. So the kids are singing for the Baroness and the dad is like, um, what the fuck? And he goes and he listens and it's, I was like, that's right. Enjoy them. You stupid bitch. (laughs) And then he started singing and my note was join in bitch. You stupid bitch. (laughs) I wish my family was more musical in, and I saw my siblings were musical um, yeah. But I wish they were musical in a way that, this is going to sound really, really big-headed of me, but in a way that they could keep up with me. Yeah. Like, I wish I could do this sort of ensemble thing with my siblings. There's enough of you. There, there's, there's a lot of us. We definitely could have held down, like, a quartet or done, like, a small featured ensemble type dealio, but, um, but it just didn't happen for most of my other siblings. There's still hope for my youngest sibling. I have hope that I have faith that someday we're going to make something really crazy together on stage when they're like a big kid. Yeah. But I don't know that it'll be like a duet. Like, I don't think we'll sing together. Probably not. I wish that for me. In another life and another timeline, all of my siblings turn out to be super gifted. My sisters are talented. They just don't want to sing with me ever. (laughs) No, they really don't, which is so crazy to me. Because all three of you were so musically inclined all through school. And then like the minute your sisters graduated, they were like, if I ever sing again, end me. Mm -hmm. Just take me out back and old yeller me if I ever start (laughs) singing again. Well, and every every once in a while, every once in a while, I'll get the youngest. Every once in a blue moon. But it takes, it takes like a paradigm shift for it to happen it takes a manic episode to happen. <laughs> incorrect well you know i mean hey <sighs> things happen so the kids are gooped and gagged because they're like our dad singing here and now incredible what what <laughs> they all hug and it's so beautiful and wonderful and the dad is not as much of a dick 
in this moment. And Gretel is so sweet and goes over to the Baroness and hands her Edelweiss. A little bundle of Edelweiss flowers. And she's like, oh, Edelweiss. <laughs> Wonderful. Anyway, Maria's on her way upstairs to pack her bags because that's what the, uh, the captain had said. And he comes out and he's like, hey, so I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please stay. You've brought joy back into my gloomy, gloomy home. I thought you were going to say hole. (laughs) (laughs) You've brought joy into my my hole. My gloomy, dark, dank (laughs) hole. So she stays. And we flash forward to some point, like maybe, maybe like a few weeks later or something. And we get the lonely goat herd. Now. What the fuck? Is this number? It's a puppet show. I Is yeah, I guess. Yeah. This took me by such surprise. Like I don't know if it's just I don't I blacked out so much of this movie. I I do not remember this at all and I was like this is the most insane weird little puppet show. Yeah. So the Maria and the kids are doing this puppet show of the Lonely Goat Herd and it's cute, it's precious. I love the puppets. The puppetry's fun. The puppets are really cool. They're also probably nightmare fuel. Um, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't hate it, though. No. It's and, just really weird. And um, Georg loved it. Oh, just. And he was like, oh, charmed. Claps, claps, claps. We love this. The Baroness was like, yeah, this was something that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Max also loved it. So... The Baroness starts to kind of see that Georg and Maria are are friendly. Yes. There's like a certain sparkle behind the captain's eye when he speaks to her. And they get along so well and this, that, the other thing. In a way that Mm. she and the captain do not. Exactly. Exactly. So. So Uncle Max wants to put the kids in the festival. The captain freaks out and is like, no, my kids won't be doing that. Which I get. Right? Yeah. Um, I wish more parents would have that attitude for their children in entertainment. Yeah. So he, and it was kind of like a big blowout-ish kind of thing between the two of them. I'm not delving into it because it was an argument and that's just what it was. Next. Next. We get Edelweiss. So I have some fun facts here about the song Edelweiss. Tell me everything. So first of all, the flower is... One of the strongest flowers in the world, it grows in some of the harshest conditions in mountains, which most flowers, like, just straight up can't do, unless you're, like, a rare orchid. All right. But it, so it's a, a symbol of, like, perseverance and strength. Oh, I love that. Um, this was also the song of Austrian pride, although you mentioned a lot of Austrian folks didn't love it. Yeah. But it did end up becoming a, a sort of, like, national earmark for them. And then uh, lastly, this was the last song that Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote together. Oh. Yeah, this is the very last song that they collaborated on. Isn't that just heart-wrenching? I got a tear, a single tear. The Santa Fe tear? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, it, it just kind of reframes this song uh, out of context of the movie and the show. To mean something, and I think you, maybe you mentioned it in the intro, but um, this song won a, like a posthumous award. 
Was that you or was that Oscar? A- Oscar had won a posthumous award. Yeah, yeah. It was for this song. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was you or if I saw it on a TikTok or. It was me. Okay, I believe you. So then they sing Edelweiss. So they sing Edelweiss. So the and dad, it's so the dad, touching. Right. The dad sings it. The Baroness um, is seeing how Maria is looking at him and then is seeing how the captain looks at Maria and is like, oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Trouble in the water. Oh, yes. Love in the water. Oh, God. Ooh. Something's in the water. <laughs> so she's like, well, you know, um, all right, this is cool. So now that there's happiness and joy back in the house, what if we have a party so you can introduce me, the woman you're interested in, Baroness Von Snooty Pants, <laughs> to all of your friends? So he's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. We flash forward to a party. I love a formal scene. They are my favorite. It's a gay old time over this here. This one is so pretty. It's like gilded and gorgeous. Yes. So... The gal, uh, the Baroness, right, is... Were you shake- just going to call her the gal? The gal, the gal <laughs> with the bad wig. Um, That's her. Yeah. Uh, is, it's not bad. It's bad. It, it's not that bad. Okay, uh, to recap, the wig is good, the wig line is bad. Yes, there we go. Um, with the bad wig line. Uh, she is greeting people with the captain, and she's shaking hands with people. What's, what's... I noticed that, like, the glove portion of her hand isn't on. Yeah, so um, gloves used to be made of, like, leather or, like, stiffer material. So you'd have, like, a button on the wrist that you can pop. So you can, especially if it's, a, like, a longer glove, so you can get out of the glove. So you can shake someone's hand with, like, skin-to-skin contact. Because sometimes it could be perceived as rude if you intentionally wore a glove to shake hands with someone. Because oh. it was like a, I don't want to fucking touch you thing. That makes sense. Yeah. So... Uh, like it, a respect thing to yeah, unbutton yeah. the glove. There are occasions where you like you deign yourself like equal to them in a way, and so you take off your glove because you're not afraid to touch them or whatever. Gotcha. So a guy comes in and starts bitching about the Austrian flag. Oh yeah, I caught that. Because he's a Nazi cunt. Again, there's just this like undercurrent, right? It's like sprinkled in all through the movie. He comes in and he starts bitching to his friends. He's like, did you see that Austrian flag just right there for everybody to see? Yeah. Awful. So Kurt is like, oh, hey, Maria, one of the kids, Kurt, the one that she forgot about, um, that I also forgot about in this moment. <laughs> um, forgettable. Uh, it's like, hey, can we dance? I think that'd be fun. She's like, yeah, let me show you this dance. And it's the Landlier, um, which is actually a traditional Austrian dance. And they followed the choreography like to the T. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, so they're dancing and the captain taps in and dances with Maria. Oh my God. <gasps> they have a moment at the end of this dance sequence where there is like a Vaseline filter jump scare. Oh, it caught me so off guard. Because it's like one of the moments where like Maria and the captain both become aware of their feelings for each other. Oh, fully. Without like saying anything out loud. And there's like a shot where they like pan over to Maria looking at the captain. And she is so like smoothie, glassy, fogged over with <laughs> this glass, this Vaseline filter. And it's it genuinely caught me off guard. And like I jumped. 
It, I mean, it's something. <laughs> because then we pop right back to the captain and he's crystal clear. <laughs> yeah. And you know who else jumped? Oh, jump scare. <laughs> the Baroness. You bet she did. She was like, oh. She was like, oh, they're close. Oh, I don't like that. Maria's like, oh my God, I can't fucking do this. And is like blushing. He's like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to leave. I have to leave. The Baroness calmly comes over to the captain and is like, oh, what a lovely couple you make. Oof. Wow. Just calls it right out, huh? Wow. Yikes. Which? Carlo. Carlo also hates the Baroness. It's a mood. I get it, buddy. What a noisy roommate. I, yeah. Well, let's carry on. Anyway. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Pissed. So, uh. (laughs) Where were we? The kids are going to bed. Ah, yes. Oh, the creepy goodbye song. Oh, we we get so long farewell. I hate this song. Girl, this choreo. It's creepy. This choreo, okay, is it's very tight. It's very militaresque. It's spooky. It's it's spooky ooky. Um, so they're saying goodbye. Spooky (laughs) God damn it. Um. Well, it is with like the synchronized waving and then when like Gretel crawls backwards up the stairs and like, it's all just, it's all creepy. Yeah. So they, they sing. What a great time. Goodbye. Good night. It is the most dramatic shit too of them like going up the stairs and then them like waving goodbye to everybody and then everybody waves goodbye to them. The whole ballroom. And it's just a whole obnoxious thing. That's ridiculous. The word you're looking for is creepy. I. It's spooky. All right. So it's very like it's very like uh what's the valley effect the the canny valley the canny valley effect where like no one's human for like the full duration of this song. It's casual. I hate it. That's all right. <laughs> so Maria gets invited to the party because she's just gonna go to bed, and the captain's like, "But what if you came?" And then Uncle Max was like, "But what if you came?" And the Baroness is like, what if she went to bed? (laughs) (laughs) So she's invited. That's exciting. Uh, We find out Er Zeller, the guy who was bitching about the Austrian flag earlier, is definitely a Nazi because he gets into a full-blown verbal spar with the captain. Yeah. And the captain says something to him about the fact of like, oh... You're a Nazi, and that shows. He's like, you're so far up Hitler's ass, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But much more subtle and dignified than right. saying They're that. They're impolite company, but that's the gist of it. Right. And then Erzeller says, you flatter me. And the captain says, oh, I meant to accuse you. Georg fuck Nazis von, what is it, Reidenkrop? Von Reidenkrop. <laughs> um, I was going to call him von Saddlepants, but I knew that wasn't <laughs> right. Gotcha, um, bitch. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think it, it, we have this a historical perspective that the Nazi invasion was all very like violent overthrow taken by force kind of thing, but it wasn't. It was like so much more insidious than that. It was, it was guilting people into things at dinner parties and like gossiping and and shutting people out politically who disagreed with you. I mean, it was it was so much more. It was a slow build to then right, violence. Right, right. I mean, like, there were all of these, like, social 
things that happened that were just about like creating a culture that enabled the violence that followed. Exactly. But it was built on this like subtle dinner party shame. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we forget that. Yeah. I, yeah. That yeah. it didn't instantly start with kidnapping people. Right. And... Like it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't crystal knocked and then downhill from there. Like it was so much more before that. Because, yeah. 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 Terrifying. Ugh. Nazis are terrifying. Correct. They're not terrifying. Don't be afraid of Nazis. You can fight Nazis. Yeah. But also, the aftermath is very scary. I mean, it's, like, it, it, it's the, still scary. Like, the possibility no matter... of, of the violence is the scary part. But moving forward. Yeah. So the Baroness goes upstairs and is like, Oh, Maria, uh, you need to dress for the party. Why don't you wear this thing that turned the captain's head the last time you wore it? Oh my god, she's so passive-aggressive. And they have, like, this kind of, like, back and forth. Maria's like, um, no, I didn't. No. And the Baroness is like, yeah, you did. You're trying to take my man. But, um, I'm too good for this. And Maria's like, oh my god, I can't do this. So the Baroness is like, well, if you have to leave, I mean... If you have to go, you have to go. It might be what's best for the kids i mean because you're obviously a big old dumb slot <laughs> <laughs> and so maria decides to dip like in the middle of the night yeah she's like oh my god i've packed a bag i love a man i'm getting a quiver down there <laughs> i've betrayed god <laughs> goodbye Well, we get an actual intermission in the movie. Isn't that fun? It is fun. It also, we often have trouble finding where the intermission should go in the movie because you've adapted something from two acts on stage to three acts in a film. And so we struggle all the time, but this one was really convenient. (laughs) Very convenient. And we get an entre-act, which is so much fun. I love an entre-act. It, uh, again, this is a million years long, and we probably didn't need it. But like, what a fun, yeah, but what a fun inclusion. little addition! What a fun little addition! I do enjoy entrects, but like, I didn't need it here. Yeah, that's valid. This is so long. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so the kids are having a terrible time with Baroness because she's awful. Not shocking. She talks to, and says something to Max yet again about like, oh, I'll just. I mean, because she mentioned something about the fact that she's engaged now. And she's like, yeah, and it's going to be me sending them off to a boarding school. I'm not doing this raising kids shit. Nope. No. So Max is like, all right, kids, let's rehearse because you're going to do the performance. Poor Gretel just couldn't possibly sing. She's got a sore finger. Can't sing. Too sore. Been there. Been there. Yeah. (laughs) So the kids sound sad and sound terrible and I would like to note that this is the only point in the entire movie when the kids sing that they are the only ones singing. Like without the sweetener vocals from their adult yep. friends there. Uh, you can tell. Yeah. 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 Um, but they are supposed to sound awful in this moment. Yeah. Story. I mean, they're, yeah, they're supposed to sound yeah, yes. Yeah. So the dad comes out and he's like, oh my god kids, guess what? We're engaged and you've got a new mommy. Gretel looks pissed just pissed and the kids She's like each come hell. up to the baroness and like give her a kiss on the cheek or something and yeah. i'm like this feels forced and gross yeah i don't love uh forced intimacy from children 
Really from anybody, but especially children. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing when you're an adult and you can kind of gauge the consequences socially of that action. But right. when you're a kid and you, you, you don't understand the implications of any of that, and someone just, like, forces you to, like, hug someone or kiss someone goodbye or... I don't like any of that. No. No. So the kids are like, all right, we got to fuck this shit up. We're going to the Abbey. They get there and the nuns are like, no, you absolutely cannot be here. Nope. Sorry. Oh, you're looking for Maria? We don't have her. She's not seeing anyone. You'll have to go. Who's she? (laughs) Don't know A (laughs) problem. That's true. Yeah. So, and it does turn out that Maria has been like sad mopey in her room. Yeah, and she's, actually hasn't she's talked in to anybody. seclusion. She's not interested in conversing with anybody. Right. So the Reverend Mother's like, maybe I've been going about this all wrong. I'm going to go right on ahead and have a meeting with her. So she does. And they have a conversation back and forth. And Maria's like, oh my God, I love the captain. Maybe. But also that's wrong. And I want to be here. And and she says, I don't know what when she says the exact she's like, words. She's like, I just, I can't do this. I can't face this. I can't da 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 And Mother Abbas in her British accent goes, what is it you can't face? <laughs> what is it you can't it's, face? <laughs> it's my favorite line. It's so ri- It gets me every single time. It's so ridiculous. So, what is it you can't face? Um, and it's her feelings. Right. And it's not, it's just her accent. I, yeah. yeah. So Maria can't face her feelings. Um, and, and Mother Abbas spits some hard truths right at her. And is like, girl, you need to go see if this is real. I'm sending you back. You need to finish this up because you can't live your life with regret. Right. We're not doing this here today in my nunnery. Right. As she's singing Climb Every Mountain in this moment and like telling her like, Seize the day. Seize every challenge. Don't run away because you got freaked out by your feelings. Like, get back in there and do the thing. Right. And I just got to say, as we near, like, the end of all of our uh, action here, we're, like, starting to to near wrapping up some of our plot lines, the songs, the music here does a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah. Like, the pacing isn't very good. The writing slips a little bit. And the, the songs do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason we stay engaged through the end here. Yeah. It gets rough. Yeah. So the kids are back home and the dad is like, so what are you doing? And they lie about picking blueberries and strawberries and... Oh, that's what this line is. I had written down, they turned blue. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? I have no context for this line whatsoever. I don't know. I don't remember why I wrote it down. But it's because they lie and say they were picking blueberries, and the captain's like, blueberries aren't in season. They're like, oh, it was strawberries. And he said, oh, your fingers turned blue from eating strawberries? And one of the kids said the, the strawberries turned blue. and like Because it's been so cold. Right. They're trying to lie their way out of this and so they don't get caught for going to the nunnery. And... You you see Liesel's face drop when they're all collectively trying to lie and like she's stumbling like, over. She's like, we're done. We're and done. Her, yeah, she's got this oh shit face where she's like, God damn it. We we fucked up, kids. We're we're cooked. Yeah. Yeah. God fuck. <laughs> and he's like, Well, what happened to the berries? Well, we ate them all. Well, great. Then you don't need dinner. Oh. And they're like, You're right. 
Because they're not going to snitch. They're like, we're not doing this with you, Dad. So they then hear Maria on the wind. <laughs> a lot of on the wind singing. Yeah, there is. People yeah. come out of come out of the blue, singing their songs. They're blue. They turned blue. They turned blue. <laughs> so they hear Maria, and they're so fucking excited, and they're like, Maria, girl, thank God you showed up. Gretel immediately presents her sore finger, and is like, my finger, it's sore. I, no one will do anything about it. <laughs> and she's like, your finger is sore. This sucks. <laughs> and Gretel's like, thank you. That's all I really That's needed. That's <laughs> literally all I needed, and thank you for the validation. Yeah. Um, and they're like, Maria... You need to get your hoeing on because our dad's engaged. Everything's terrible here. We hate it. And it's garbage. So please do something about it. The dad and the Baroness have a chat with Maria and is like, hey, like, what if you worked here again? And she's like, I will work here until the contract that I originally was going to do is up. I will stay until the winds Winds change. change. I literally (laughs) was just thinking that. So... Because she was coming back to be like, am I in love with the captain? But she's like, oh, he's engaged. Never mind. Right. I guess I'll just fucking work here watching the man that I think I love, love someone else. Cool. I love that for me. <laughs> <laughs> and she's wearing her like, come get me dress and fucking everything. Oh, yeah. The like blue, blue little number that yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. 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 So she thought she was going to swoop back in and like make a kerfuffle and confess her feelings. And then she arrives to an engaged man and that just foils everything. So. Right. Oh, but wait, the captain is watching her from the balcony and he has this epiphany of like, oh, I'm an idiot. Hey, yeah. by the way, Baroness, um, we can't get married. We all already knew that, Christopher Plummer. Thank you for getting on yeah, board with the rest of the like, program. <laughs> she's like, oh, you can't? Mm. What is it? You can't, can't face? face. <laughs> uh, and it's because he's in love. And she's like, nah, I get it. And I don't want to deal with you and your shitty kids. <laughs> well, that's fair. And you're in this, that, the other thing. Like She's it was in just this gorgeous black and red an number two while they have this conversation. A stunning. She looks incredible. She's just stunning while she's sitting there like, you're not leaving me. I'm leaving you. And like, she does do it with grace and and a, a oh, yeah. good amount of kindness. And I, I think it's, again, it's just one of the things that makes me love Baroness as a villain is that like, she, she thinks she's doing all of these things for the right reason. Like, I don't think the Baroness is a bad person. Mm -mm. I think she just is blind to the consequences. And of course we have 2020 hindsight looking back at the events leading up to the Holocaust and world war two. But at the time it was just people making decisions for their, their own preservation for, you know, I mean, that's, that's the trap of it. And I think that's what makes the Baroness such a compelling villain is like she is a snapshot of good people doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Right. And that's, I just love her. She's so rich and dimensional and, and an important, an important facet of that history that I think sometimes can get overlooked in favor of like scary boogeyman style monsters from that piece of history. I just love her. I love her. She's one of my favorite villains in musical theater. She's just so rich. So she's leaving. (laughs) She is. 
She's like, all right, well, I'm done. They communicated. Good job on the communication, folks. 10 out of 10. I love that. When your marriage isn't working, talk about it. Or your engagement. Right. And and make decisions for the betterment of both of you. It's so simple. Yeah. So the captain goes to Maria and he's like, hey, girl, I think you're fine. (laughs) And I'm in love with you. So this is another like nighttime gazebo scene. Yeah. And it's, again, very well lit, very well shot, very, like, we use color here. There is another, like, spooky jump scare Vaseline moment, but, like... (laughs) That's just their love. It is, apparently. On the lens of the camera. (laughs) It's just what we're doing. Um, But, yes, another beautifully shot scene. Such romantic writing in this confession here between the two of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really love it. They just, they're so in love, and it's so nice, and he loves you and she loves you and they kiss. Ah! Magic. Finally. And we get the number th- something good, which is uh, done for this movie. Oh, is this an, this was the other edition? Uh-huh. I like that. Yes, yes, It's yes. very well utilized. Yes. And it's it's so cute. And they're, then they start talking about, like, when did they start falling in love? And he's like, I it started when you sat on the pine cone and said nothing. Literally the day we met. And then she's like, it started when you whistled. Within the first 20 minutes of meeting him. Yeah. Like, come on. Ugh, gag me. Ugh. <laughs> like, it's something that you probably looked back on and was like... Oh, right. That, that was, was a the cute moment. thing that they did or that, you know, whatever. But Disgusting. Like, um, well, yeah. Heterosexuality is an abomination. <laughs> there, I said it. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Um... <laughs> Oh my god, they're getting married. She wears the ugliest wedding gown I have ever seen. Why do you think it's so ugly? I hate it. I hate it. What do you hate about it? The only wedding dress I can think of off the top of my head that I hate more than this is the one that Ariel gets married in in The Little Mermaid. Because that is a disgusting wedding dress. I hate that dress. Ooh, vicious. But this is a pretty close second. (laughs) So we get the Maria reprise, which I think is fucking ridiculous while she's walking down the aisle. They're like, oh, like the nuns are like singing this light lilting Maria reprise. And and they're like, oh, she's a flippity chippet. She's a clown. You can't call someone a clown on their wedding day, you shitty bitchy nuns. I just, I was like, girls, girls do better. Oh my God. And then at the end, when they're at the altar, we have like a moment where we see the priest and everybody who's like marrying them. And there's like an altar boy and all kinds of things. Catholic regalia is so gay. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's all so gay. It's like dripping in stones and crystals and like embroidered in gold. And it's all like these bright shocking crimsons. And it's so gay. It's because they're rich. (laughs) Well, that's true. Speaking of regalia... We pan, <laughs> We transition from their wedding day to... Right into the Nazis. Right, to like the town square, like covered in swastikas. And like the the flag of the Third Reich. Right, and, and like, like it's... troops marching through the square. And like the, uh, the, the wide shot of the square full of Nazis with like the bright red like swastika regalia is a lot. To look at at one time, it, it's jarring. But I, th- I it is that a, kind of stuff needs to be. You know, it, it, I, yeah, I think it's meant to be jarring, and it should be, rightfully so. But like, it is like you have this wonderful, like, lovely orchestrated wedding moment that pans up into the sky and transitions like immediately into 
Nazi hostile invasion. Yeah. Like the 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 Third Reich's annexing of Austria. Yeah, which actually happened on March twelfth, nineteen thirty-eight. Right. It, it, it's In got real a, life, it's got a name. The Anglus. Maybe. Ang. Um, the. It starts with an A. Ah. Uh, yep. It is a foreign word, though, and I am probably mispronouncing it horribly. But um, but yes, it's it's like the Austrian day like that's when they mark their involvement in world war two it's yeah it's when they like got taken in right it it marks the annexing of it but it's like the official the official like involvement of austria in that conflict yeah so zeller is um there and i believe he's talking with Max. I think it's Max and the children. Because yeah. they were rehearsing, I think. Yes, and he, like, does a Heil Hitler Ooh, whole thing. Yeah. And Max is like, yes, yes, Heil. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, hey, so I noticed that your house hasn't put up uh, the flag of our people now, a.k.a. the Nazi flag. What do you mean, our people? Right. Bitch. Yeah. So he's like, well, you should really get that up because people are starting to talk because everyone needs to have our now nation's flag. Right. You know, at their house. Yeah. So ship up, uh, shape up or ship out. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's like a weird interaction between the two of them and Ralph. Max. So Max thanks Zeller for like letting them continue with the festival because it's important to people and they put so much work in and it's a, it's a moment of Austrian pride and this, that, and the other thing. And Zeller uses the phrase, why shouldn't the, the concert continue? Um, Austria is the same. Like he, he repeats that phrase and makes the point, like nothing has changed. It will make people more comfortable and make them believe that Austria is the same, that nothing has changed, that we are merely under a different, administration a different regime it's just different people in charge but everything is the same and he says it with such like like an icy venom Mm -hmm. it's really again the thing about this is if you don't understand the historical context of what's happening to the austrian people over the course of this film a lot of the tension just goes over your head right so those interactions between Zeller and Max now as an adult are like bone chilling. Yeah. But as a child, I was like, I don't understand why he's saying that. Or like the words just don't have impact, right? They don't land anywhere when you're 11 years old. And now they have just like gobs, earth shattering weight. (laughs) But yes, then uh, Rolf comes in and Liesl's like goo goo gaga eyes. She's like, and he completely fucking ignores her and she is so upset and she's like what fuck that guy Liesl that's a Nazi fuck Rolf god exhausting Rolf does not care about you bitch no not even a little he just doesn't so we're back at the mansion meanwhile back at the ranch Dad is there because he has now come home and is ripping up the Nazi flag someone put up at his house. And Man, I'm like, that's fuck, right. Fuck that flag, bitch. Rip it up. Like, I actually got, like, choked up watching someone rip up a Nazi flag unabashedly. 
Yeah. It's just I wish we could see more of it. I love it. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a fun thing. It's, it's a never thing. a bad thing to like rag on Nazis no. ever. No. Never no. at any point. Like if I could rip up a Nazi flag on national television in front of God and everyone, I would without hesitation because it should never be a bad thing to make Nazis feel uncomfortable. Yep. Nazis don't deserve to feel comfortable in public. Rip up their flag in front of them. Punch Nazis. We don't condone violence on this podcast. But, like, punch Nazis. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, he's ripping up that flag. The kids come and are like, oh, my God, Dad, you're here. Because him and Maria had been off on their honeymoon. Right. So, there wasn't even, like, Maria from stopping Uncle Max from having the kids sing in this festival. Right. Right. So. There is no sense. The sense is on a honeymoon. (laughs) Right. So. That's Maria. They have come home and they're like, yeah, as soon as we heard what happened, uh, we came back. We were going to be gone for longer, but we're not going to leave our kids back here. In a country that's been kidnapped by like a homicidal regime. And Uncle Max at the helm of their safety. You've proven not to be the best judge of character. I think we'll maybe come home. Yeah. So dad is pissed as fuck that they're singing in this festival, like raging, rightfully so, right? Yeah, reasonable. Maria and Liesl go off and have a conversation about how difficult love is and young love and this, that. The other thing, because Liesl's like, um, I was in love with Ralph and... He's a Nazi, and I tried to say hi to him, even though he's a Nazi, and like he never made anything to move me. He was super rude. I'm like, yeah, bitch, he's a Nazi. Nazis are rude. (laughs) (laughs) Good lord, what are you expecting? So they have a cute little conversation about this, and then he, the dad, gets a telegram about Burma Haven and how he has been called to Berlin. To join the Nazi Navy, um, and is like, you need to you need to show up to this. Right, like it's an it's a quote unquote invitation. He's being recruited. Yeah, it's like this is we're gonna call it an invitation, but if you don't show up, we will we'll send someone you. to get you. Yeah, yeah, like you will perform this role, and if you don't, we'll kill you and replace you. So up and to or you. kill your family. Right, too. Uh, like your call. Yeah. So he decides, I, I can't do this. I can't. We need to escape. So they set a plan. They are going to be escaping during the... The um, dead of night. Right. They're like, I, we're leaving. We're leaving. We gotta go. We're going. So it's nighttime. They did not start the car. They're pushing it out. And the fucking butler, the Nazi butler sees them and calls the other folks. And I think that he must have overheard their plan. Yeah. He like rats them out to Zeller ahead of the plan because when they finally get their car out into the street and are like ready to put the children in it and turn the car on and take off like a fucking bat out of hell. Zeller and a whole slew of Nazis in multiple cars are right fucking there. And a Nazi on a horse. This is the horse. Oh. It's not Georg's horse. <laughs> it is, in fact, a Nazi horse. Oh, well. hmm. uh, All a right. Hatsi? 
un uh un unorts. I'm trying to make I'm trying to mash them up. Nah, they don't get a cute mashing. I don't think they do. There is no, no fun way to put Nazi and horse together. Um, no. But yes, that's where the other horse is. But uh, yes, the butler turned them in. And the confrontation here in the road between Zeller and his like group of troops behind him and Max, Maria, Georg, and the kids is so tense. Because yeah. the the unspoken context is that you should know as an adult is that everybody behind Zeller is heavily armed. These people are here to enforce compliance on threat of death. So, yeah, Carlo. Yeah, fucking Nazis. Am I right, bro? (sighs) Carlo has big opinions on Nazis. And so this whole interaction is so tense because everyone's choosing their words very carefully and, like, being careful not to upset the other party and the Nazi party is still determined to maintain this facade of civil takeover like there's still this like coding of civility on all of it and so this (laughs) I know Carlo Nazis are the worst (laughs) um so the whole thing is very very tense because they're obviously trying to make an escape but they, they have to, like, keep up the facade. And so Max and Georg kind of use the facade against them to be like, well, we would hate for this to become an altercation and for the Austrian people to find out that you've done this awful thing to the captain, whom they all revere and who they know very well. And uh, we were, of course, just leaving to for, the, s- for the show. Yeah. We're just going to, the, to, to sing. Uh, and of course, we have to come with the children because Maria and I, while we're singing with the kids, the family Von Trapp is the act. So of course, we'll have to be there. And, and so there's this this kind of back and forth about like, again, just like maintaining this facade of nicety and, and Zeller's like, well, that's fine then. Uh, we'll just escort you. Wouldn't you love that? An escort to your revered concert? Let's go. Yeah, I fucking guess. Right. That obviously wasn't the plan. Right. They were going to escape and not go to the show while everybody else was at this concert and everyone's distracted and everything. But but yeah, it's just this really intense interaction. And again, just not something I picked up on as a kid. But now as an adult, I'm like, whoo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're all going to sing Tea, Jam, and Bread. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Sounds like a terrible rap group. Yeah. TJ and Bread? Yeah. DJ TJ and Bread. Wiki wiki what? <laughs> so, um, then the dad comes out and he sings Edelweiss as kind of like a fuck you to the Nazis because they're all like up in the rafters. Yeah, they and, like, like they're lining this coliseum. It's rough. It's the daunting specter of the Nazi like in, installed in the walls. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. So he's singing this song as like a ah this song I hope all of you know in your hearts as Austrians what this song means they sing a section of Lonely Goat Herd too where they change some of the lyrics from the first time that they sing it mm-hmm. and it reflects like it's it's like a coded warning to the people listening about like 
don't listen to this leader like he's two-faced you're being deceived and then they sing edelweiss and it's this deeply deeply emotional goodbye to a country that georg knows in his heart of hearts he probably won't ever see peacefully again right and at the end like the audience joins in and sings a verse of edelweiss with them on stage and like it's i'm crying i sob every single time crying in this moment just a reminder that like solidarity is the opposite of oppression yeah like it's the it's the tool we use to get out of it yeah solidarity for life baby so max tells everyone that the captain is going to have to leave because of the nazis right and and he kind of says it in a way of like the nazis are like yeah he's because he's gonna go work for us and Max is like, they're and taking veiled. him. <laughs> and it's this veiled thing of like, they're taking him and or he's going to escape from this fucking country because of the Nazis. Right. So yeah, it's uh, again that coded thing. Yeah, there's a coded conversation happening in the room. Right. So we get the number so long farewell. They have a plan to leave. The girl, um, so like they, you know, they're singing as they go off. Every, all of the kids and everyone is exiting from one spot, which is not what they had practiced. And you can like kind of see that kind of like happening. They kind of like yeah, they're like no, no, you're going this way. Like we're all going this way. And the kids are like oh okay, fine, all right, shuffle along. So now everyone's off stage. They're announcing the winners of this little contest at this festival, and one of the winners like comes up, accepts her flowers, and just like won't stop Can't bowing. Can't stop bowing. <laughs> Jesus H, woman. It's a lovely bit of musical theater, like musical comedy levity in this really dark moment. Because God, did we need it? I mean, they stay really balanced. They do a really good job of balancing like the lightness and the joy of musical theater into this very dark, meaningful time period. Um, they do a great job making sure that the composition of every shot is really balanced too. Like when we're singing the goodbye song and all the kids are in their like traveling clothes, it's still a very balanced palette that we're playing in. the The balance of this movie is very well done. Yeah, in all aspects. Yeah. So, turns out they won. They announced the family von Trapp as the winners, and of course they don't retake the stage. They've disappeared. Oh my God, they've escaped. And Max's face when they don't retake the stage, he's like, "Well, they they done did it." Yeah. Oopsies. <laughs> <laughs> so they left, and turns out they're hiding in the abbey, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna run on foot. Fuck this." We're going to head out. Right. We have to get, we have to go somewhere we can be safe to make a plan to get out. Right. So they head to the cemetery and then they hear that the Nazis are like right there. Right. The sisters have to let them in. It's, right. you know, whatever. But they use malicious compliance because Mother Apis is like, here are the keys. Slowly, sisters. Slowly. Slowly. <laughs> the sisters have helped them kind of like be locked behind this yeah, yeah. Gate. Mother Abbas says, I have, a, I know a place you can hide. Come with me. And there are these large, like, family-style mausoleum-type things. They're like, they're like gated tombstone spaces meant for families. Right. Right. So they have these great big, tall, like, eight, ten-foot-tall stone, uh, uh, what's the word? The thing you put on a grave. A gravestone. A headstone. Yeah. Headstone. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. They have these great big headstones. And there's a space behind them 
between like the headstone and the abbey wall. Yep. So Mother Abbess is like, here, quick hide behind these. They're gated. So like we can lock you behind these. They can't come all the way up to these headstones to inspect them. Hide behind these. We'll lock you in. Here's the key. Escape when you can. Right. And so they're hiding back there. And, and the end of this movie takes a fair deal of time to get through this whole sequence. It's a really, they're really long sequences. Yeah. But it's because we have this really controlled tension because they're, the stakes are so high right now. Right. So we can take the pacing. And um, the Nazis flood this little graveyard at the Abbey and like walk up to this row of caged headstones and they shake each and every one of them. There's like eight of them. And like flash their flashlight all over the place and shake oh, them. Man. And it's, it's like so each one, tense. each one. And you get random flashes of like the kids and Right, right. Maria we keep panning back to Georg. behind the stones and everyone's like holding, like at one point Maria and Georg both have a hand over one of the children's mouths. Like one of the younger kids. Like it's very tense. Yep. And again, it takes so long. It's really, really well used pacing here. Turns out, Rolf is one of the Nazis right, coming after them. in the Abbey looking for them. And fucking Liesel gasps when she sees right. him. She recognizes him from like around the headstone. Gasps. Georg. Not Georg. <laughs> Rolf um, hears it. And when everybody else leaves the graveyard. Because he like kind of like, tenses, but he doesn't, he doesn't say anything. No. So Rolf like hides himself elsewhere, and then after everybody else is left, that everyone slowly creeps out from behind these headstones so they can unlock the door and escape and all that jazz. And Rolf like pops out and is like fucking gotcha, bitch, and has his flashlight and and a gun. Yeah, yeah. So and there's this standoff between Georg and Rolf, and it's again very tense and like slowly so but tense. surely. The kids and Maria leave, are starting to head out, and Georg like walks up to him and takes the gun from him, and he because he's like, "Don't do this. You don't have to do this. This doesn't have to happen." Kind of thing, right? Yeah. And then he gets the gun from him, and then he looks. Georg looks at Ralph and says, "You will never be one of them," meaning Oof. that in a very positive, right, like. Don't become this. Right, like Rolf, I've known you your whole life. You can't ever be one of these monsters. And then Rolf took that as like a, you'll never, like a. As a challenge. As a challenge, yeah. Yeah. So then, of course, he blows his fucking whistle like a little bitch. In all caps, fuck you, Rolf. Yeah. So. Yeah, Carlo. Fuck that Nazi. So the sisters have a car. They're stealing and going to head on out, right? Yeah. Then the Nazis are getting in their cars. Oh, my God. They won't turn on. None of the Nazis can give chase. What uh, luck. Oh, my God. And, and then two of the sisters come up to the mother, mother abbess and they say, Mother, I'm afraid I've sinned. And they pull out of their habits like a carburetor and a muffler. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like. Like crucial pieces to the function of a car. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, "Oh no, these fell off. We stole these off the cars." Oh, oh, we didn't we didn't know. Oh no. Truly nuns fucking up Nazis is like that's it my it's me. my favorite kind of nun. It tickles me. <laughs> so they get away and we get a reprise of climb every mountain and they are crossing over 
into a new country. Sound of Music is so ungodly long. I it's, can't believe we finally did this. It's so long. And we've for put a it off so many times. Sneak, <laughs> uh, a sneak behind the curtain for you folks. We started recording and then our mic died and there was a winter storm and there was this, that, the other thing. So then we had to like come back together and record. It's been such a long ride. I hate this movie. It, it's, oh. Uh, so, so the, the movie ends and they like cross a mountain. Do they live? Like what happened to the actual people this movie is based on? Um, they lived. They actually, uh, just got on a train and escaped to Italy. Okay. That makes a lot more sense than like crossing the Swiss Alps. Which like my thing too is, is that you went to Italy. It wasn't Italy. I mean, it technically was like an ally or whatever to the. Yeah, I was gonna say to weren't, weren't they one of oh yeah were, they were one of the Axis powers weren't they yeah in World War Two yes. yeah that's like not so I'm safe. like <laughs> so I don't know if like they went there because they weren't gonna get in trouble out of the frying pan and into the fire by Hitler maybe I don't fucking I don't know, know I don't, but... that's that's what I've told you is what I know well anyway let's rate the thing and Whatever. be done with it um. Uh... So I actually like ended up liking this a lot more than what I thought I was going to. It's a lot less boring as an adult because you understand like the pacing and like the slow moments and the quiet moments are filled with like doom and not just like silence or you know long stares between characters as right. they assess the danger of the situation. So like right. So yeah, I have a lot less qualms with it now. Um it's still not like my favorite. <laughs> it's still too long. So long. Um, and, and there the, was definitely stuff that they could have pared down that didn't need yeah. to be as long, like and the, the beginning pacing, shots and and different things. We didn't like that. need an entre act. We could have cruised down an intermission. I, I, I understand originally in its original format, this was like separate discs. Oh, excuse me, I'm burping. VHSes. Yeah, yeah, separate separate tapes and or separate whatever. Things, but, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's too long. The pacing droops in the third act. Um. Everything else, I think, is pretty well handled, so I'd give it probably, like, a four. I think so. I think a four. Yeah. That feels Uh, pretty solid. There's room for improvement. Like, the transition from musical to movie was maybe, like, handled a little uh, laboriously. Yeah. So I'll I'll give it a four. Yeah. Room for improvement. I can rock with that. Like it's a low four. It's like almost a three and a half. I was I was thinking like a three point five four, but like I don't really have anything to dock it on for a to make for it it to be all the way down to a three point five. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just like a feeling that I have, but like we try not to. It's a four. Yeah, it's a four. It's a four. Uh, Shall we give it the biddy test? The BD, the Bindi Drake. Pass, fail. Pass. Pass. Absolutely pass. Do we need to discuss it? No, I don't think we do. This is so long. Um, where can they find us? You guys can find us on Instagram and TikTok at uh, Backstage Biddies. You can email us your listener requests or praise and adoration to uh, BackstageBiddies at gmail.com. If you want to go ahead and join Pydvane. 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 Join the Pydvane. Pydvane. New place to find our podcast. You can follow, leave a comment. And if we get 10 followers on there... 
then we can submit to become a featured podcast of the week, which would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where can they find you? You guys can find me on all things at Binny Bitty. You? You can find me in the Swiss Alps gazing at a lake cratered in a mountain. I'm every mountain <laughs> you can't face. You can't face. <laughs> all, okay, right. all right. You need a fortune cookie. I need a cookie. So our fortune cookie today is a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a very loudly anti-Nazi Lutheran pastor in Germany. Uh, The quote is, we are not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. Get it, bitch. Yeah. Uh, I feel Georg would feel similarly, and in fact, I feel that he acted similarly, and we love that for him. Yes, absolutely. I love, love, love that. So everyone, go make a Nazi, uh, or a racist, or a, a transphobe, or a big, your bigot of choice. Of, you get to choose you your flavor of bigot. Pick your, pick your least favorite bigot, find one in public, and make them uncomfortable. Um, okay, we love you. Okay, Bye! bye.